0: So this is the third session of uh, the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2. This is three of, of the third session of 4, and today we'll be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. We'll be looking at uh, the day of Pentecost and the impact of Pentecost upon uh, the world of that time, the church that it gave birth to, and what it means for us today. So let's begin our prayer today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray to you, Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, that today we thank you and praise you for Pentecost and for the outpouring of your spirit 2,000 years ago in which you inaugurated uh, the last days and your birth into existence, your church, to move in power and to move in grace and to move in in love and communion with each other, to be able to minister to and a lost and broken and suffering world, and win the hearts of many to your Son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would open up the book of Acts to us today, chapter 2, and help us to see what you want us to see for the church of today and for our own lives today. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and we're talking here about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this, chapter 2 begins by saying, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled... This is a language that is oftentimes used uh, in by Luke. He talks about how in Luke chapter nine verse fifty one and following that Jesus' ministry was also when he entered into Jerusalem was being was fulfilled, which means he was fulfilling the Father's plan and purposes for his life, which was to become the Lamb of God, the atoning sacrifice. The Jewish feast of Passover uh, had fifty days after it. Um, and would conclude in this Feast of Pentecost. It was basically a celebration for the covenant and the law of Sinai. Now, in Luke's gospel, Jesus' ministry was launched when the Holy Spirit came upon him in the in his baptism at the River Jordan. This is found in Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 21 and 22. Uh, so Jesus' all his ministry doesn't really begin until he is filled with, empowered with, <clears throat> baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then his ministry begins a ministry of preaching and power, a, a ministry of signs and wonders. I like to say a tsunami of signs and wonders. And ultimately, that would lead him to the cross, where in his passion and his death and his resurrection, uh, he pours out his life to atone for the sins of the world and to unleash upon us, which we'll, we're talking about today, the Holy Spirit. So, uh, Luke chapter, f- so this is what is meant by the word fulfilled here. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them as tongues of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. So, uh, suddenly, uh, there came from the sky. Remember, the church had been in prayer for at least nine days. Jesus said, wait here till you receive power from on high, And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Also in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said to his disciples, to wait in Jerusalem, you'll be clothed with power from on high. So uh, we are seeing the disciples, the 120, being clothed with power from on high. Like a a noise, like a strong driving wind. What does that mean? Well, the, the wind refers a reference to the Holy Spirit. The noise is a reference to Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 19. And the sign of fire, tongues of fire in this case, uh, tongues as of fire, indicates what John the Baptist talked about in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, indicates a cleansing, a shaping of the heart to be the vessel the Lord wants to use. It also is a reference to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, where Jeremiah speaks that, that the Lord will uh, give a new heart and that the least to the greatest would know him in a personal, intimate way. This is something that the Israelites, and particularly through the prophets, had longed for. They longed for that day when the, the Messiah would come and pour out his Holy Spirit so that the least to the greatest in Israel would know the Lord in a personal way. Up until that point is only prophets and kings, kings, um, you know, uh, would know the Lord in this way. Uh, but th- what Israel looked for was that every single person of the covenant would know the Lord in that kind of intimacy of w- way. J- Joel prophesied it, that when the Holy Spirit be poured out, sons and daughters would prophesy. In the, in the scriptures, prophecy was just for the prophets. But now it, Joel seems to be saying it's for everyone who is part of the covenant and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. Uh, because why what is prophecy the prophecy means i hear hear the lord speak into my life in my heart and i speak it and declare it out loud now from a catholic point of view in our baptism we are baptized as into christ as priest prophet and king and so we share in that fulfillment of the prophecy of joel so let's go back to the scripture here uh and we see that the um that the strong driving wind is reminiscent of Sinai, Mount Sinai, where the new where the law was given, the covenant was given. Now there's a new law, Romans chapter eight, verse two. Paul speaks about the new law being the Holy Spirit, who is written upon our hearts. So now that new law is the as a new presence and power of God in the world, dwelling in the heart of the believer. That is a person who repents of their sins, confesses faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and is baptized, then the Holy Spirit is given to them, and the Holy Spirit lives in them. We'll come back to tongues in just a minute, but I want to go back, go to the following verses, verses 5 through 10. There were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. Well, they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in their in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, and they asked, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans. Then how does each of us hear them in his own native language? And then he goes on, Luke goes on to talk to us about the different languages that are present. And that's in verses 9 and 10. And then it says, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. They were all were astounded and bewildered to one another, saying, what does this mean? Some were scoffing, saying they've had too much wine. Okay, so um, let's uh, take a look at verses 5 through 10 particularly. And it says that basically what Jesus was saying would happen in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power from on high, then you'll be my witnesses. Well, here are their witnesses in Jerusalem because they the many that have gathered hear the hear the 120 speaking of the mighty acts of God, glorifying God, praising God in their own language. Now, to the 120, they were speaking in tongues. They were speaking in a language they've not learned. But to those that gathered that day, it was, they were hearing him speak in their own language. What was it for the disciples, the 120? Well, it was worship. It was praise of God. That's what it was. To the People in Jerusalem, it was declaring the mighty acts of God. It was witnessing to what the Lord had done through his son Jesus through the lives of these 120 that had gathered. So, And it's important to see, because in Isaiah chapter 49, Israel's vocation was to be a servant of the Lord and to declare the works of the Lord to the nations. Well, here we see the church being born and declaring the mighty acts of the Lord to the nations. Okay, verse 11, then. What do we see here in verse 11? Uh, we see that are they um, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking in our, in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. This is goes, goes back to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, the Tower of Babel. There, the civilizations of the earth w- wanted to create... Um, their own existence independently of God. So the Tower of Babel represents human attempt to seek power, wealth, security without any reference to God. Well, here we see, and of course, the Lord gave them many languages to divide them. But here at Pentecost, we see that God is able to overcome human division. And he does that through the person of Jesus Christ and through declaring the risen power of Christ, the, uh, to the risen power of Christ that has conquers human hearts, changes hearts, breaks every chain, and uh, conquers death, forgives sin, and can bring c- communio or communion between people that no one else can. Okay, verse 12 through 13 then speaks about how they were all astonished, bewildered. Uh, what does this mean? Some were scoffing too much wine. Wine in the Old Testament meant it was a symbol of joy abundance, and blessings. It was a sign of the messianic age. Joel chapter 4, verse 18. Amos chapter 9, verse 13 through 14 all speak about that. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, Paul speaks about the Holy Spirit being poured into our hearts. The love of God is being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 2, verse 10, wine appears again at the wedding of Cana, where Jesus takes ordinary water, and he makes uh, an abundance of wine. Again, we see that's a sign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what we see here uh, is that the wine that, uh, that's spoken of here in Acts chapter two is really a reference to the Old Testament about the messianic error, the messianic blessing, uh, includes the Holy Spirit being poured out with charisms, with signs and wonders, with prophecy, with tongues, with miracles. Uh, so, so what are the tongues? Uh, tongues here are used as we can say the 120 were worshiping in tongues, a languages they had not learned, but the nations heard them speak in their own language. Paul talks about tongues in uh, Corinth, uh, in the book of Corinthians, first first chapter, or first uh, Corinthians chapter 12 verse, or chapter 12 through f- chapter 14. He, there he talks about tongues being an interpretation. In other words, somebody will speak in a tongue, uh, a language. Uh, no, It could be a language of angels or a language of men, and someone interprets that. It's, it's the equivalent of prophecy. And that's what, in the book of Acts right here, it's the equivalent of prophecy, what the, what the uh, thousands heard on that day. But then Paul also goes on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 4 through 5, Verse eighteen about the charism of tongues for prayer and for praise and thanksgiving, in which the individual Christian speaks in this uh, again language. It could be um, a known language. It could be uh, the language of angels, as Paul speaks about in First Corinthians thirteen, verse one. Uh, it could be. Um, it could be, a, really, the, it's the surrender of the heart to the Lord in which we speak, giving our. Our heart and mind our tongue over to the Holy Spirit that he would pray in us and through us and the Holy Spirit is going to always stir our soul to thanksgiving and praise and then oftentimes intercession for various needs Uh, so praying in tongues is a private can be a a private use a private gift for development of our personal prayer life that's what Paul talks about in 1st Corinthians chapter 14 particularly verses 4 to 5. And Paul says that he uh, prays in tongues more than anyone else, and he wished others to pray in tongues more than he does. So he, he had a great value for it, although uh, in this chapter he's writing to correct the Corinthians for perhaps uh, excessive use of it. But for our purposes, we don't have excessive use. We have very little use and uh, of of this gift of tongues. But what Paul is saying is that he commends this to us. Now, I would like you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy, which means that when you're with others, the gift of prophecy speaks into human hearts in a way they can understand. And he goes on to say, one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so the church may be built up. Well, as I mentioned on Pentecost Day, um, there was the interpretation given to the, to the crowd that I gathered. Um, so, uh, so whoever speaks in a tongue builds himself up, so, the Paul is basically indicating that the praying in the prayer language of the Spirit, or the way to say it, or the prayer of tongues, builds us up. It should be something that we utilize. It's very easy to, to, um, to utilize for our life. We just simply ask the Lord for the gift, um, and we open our mouth and say anything but English or any other language we learn. We just give the Holy Spirit some sounds to work with, and He begins to stir our heart for more sounds until it sounds like a new language has taken over Uh, again your will uh is totally uh intact you you choose to do this you choose to stop so it's it's not like anyone loses control of their will your will is perfectly solid in this and is uh, and you comply with this because the lord is looking for not a robot he wants a yielded vessel so for us to yield to him requires us to say yes to him in this particular way about handing our tongue over to the Lord to be used to pray in this language of praise and thanksgiving and, inter- and intercession. Um, so um, oftentimes we don't know how to pray for a situation, so praying in the prayer language of the Spirit by yielding to the Holy Spirit, by handing, as it were, so to speak, figuratively our, our speech over to the Holy Spirit, he, speak- he works in us and through us in ways that we could never think or imagine. Um, Sometimes we just want to give praise and thanks to God, and we just run out of words. Our words are great. We should use our words, but we run out of words. We don't know. It's like our heart can be full. We just don't know what else to say. Um, Again, that's where praying in tongues is very helpful. We yield our language over to the Lord, and he prays, Holy Spirit prays in us and through us in a perfect prayer of praise and thanksgiving because it's, it's perfect because it's initiated by the Holy Spirit and it's sustained by him. St. Cyril des- described uh, the uh, 120 on the day of Pentecost as um, answering this uh, skepticism and scoffing. They have had too much wine. He answers it by saying, they're not drunk in the way you might think. They are indeed drunk, but... With the sober intoxication which kills sin and gives light to the heart, and which is the opposite of physical drunkenness. So, in other words, he was saying that their praise of God and their prophesying and their praying in tongues was killing sin in the heart because they were yielding their hearts over to the Holy Spirit who was praying in and through them. Saint Ambrose said this: "Let us drink with joy the sober intoxication of the Spirit. Praying in tongues brings peace and joy into our hearts." Because we're yielding our hearts and minds and whole body over to the Holy Spirit to pray in and through us. And, um, you know, so this is the, the new wine stirs our, our whole being with joy. Um, and so, uh, so the Holy Spirit is given to us in baptism and confirmation. But, you know, uh, for many of us, there's always new and fresh outpourings of the Holy Spirit. There's new and fresh outpourings of the charisms he wants to bring into our life, the spiritual gifts he wants to bring into our life. So, what the, what the book of Acts, chapter 2, and these verses we're looking at, what the early church understood was that the Holy Spirit's coming, after his coming, they understood about God's saving plan. They proclaimed it boldly, uh, with joy, in the face of Persecution, physical beatings, interrogation, imprisonment, some cases martyrdom. And they also recognize the need for the charisms of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts. So um, these gifts are really important for our life. So, for example, um, if, a, if you have a plumbing problem and you call a plumber to your house and he just shows up with no tools, he may be a licensed plumber and may know a lot about plumbing and be able to analyze your situation But without his tools, he really won't be able to do the job very effectively, if at all. So you would expect the plumber to come in with his expertise, analyze the problem, know how to fix it. And he he has his tools there to fix it. Well, the charisms, the spiritual gifts are are the tools the Lord gives us to get the job done, to be able to evangelize, to be able to share the good news with others. And so... um, This is what the early church had for them. So in conclusion, in summary today, um, let's, let's ask, uh, for more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have yielded to the Holy Spirit in your life and you've maybe prayed in tongues at one point. Perhaps maybe you stopped or maybe you still continue. There's always more outpouring, more fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's more gifts he wants to give you. Maybe you're a person who's never yielded to any of the gifts or tongues in this way to pray, uh, this is, could be a, a, a time to do that. Um, and, and maybe uh, you're just not certain of any of this. So just ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand. He's more. He's your friend. He's your comforter. comforter he's your helper. He's a divine person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity he dwells in you. He's made your body a temple, a tabernacle of his dwelling. So he's more than eager to help you. He loves you. And wants to empower you with everything that heaven has to bring us. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for giving us the book of Acts, and thank you for calling us to be a people who are able to walk, or called to walk in supernatural power. So Lord, sometimes we have underutilized that aspect of our Christian life. Yet um, we have a divine person, the Holy Spirit, living in us. It is the fr- He is the fruit of the. Death and resurrection, the ascension and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon our life. So pray we pray, Lord, that you may stir once again our hearts with a greater expectancy, a greater desire for more love, more power, more of you at work in our life. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.